Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined, joined as I am every week. See, I'm fighting through it, Shane, just like you like. Mr. Shane Reeves, how are you? Way to get, way to hang in there. Uh, that my tongue just went on vacation halfway through the intro. I actually think that I make you nervous sometimes when you say, "Okay, if I screw up, he's going to expect me to keep going." Well, it it wasn't even that so much as I I told you when we were doing show prep, kind of what my intro joke was going to be, but I hadn't formulated it. So I knew what it was going to be about, but I didn't know the words like I normally do. And so I was trying to piece it together while running through the gauntlet, and my tongue just said, no, you you can do one thing at a time. So you abandoned the intro joke altogether? So, so I abandoned Well, I I had stepped over my own toes so much, I felt like it was, it was just a... Quick, give it to Shane. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, time change today. Yeah. I love the time change. I'm so sick of everybody complaining, whining, crying about the time change. We are not meant to live our life in a constant state of homeostasis, doing the same thing over and over again until the day we die. So you think it's just a nice way to force people out of their comfort zone twice a year? Absolutely. I think it's nice. How else would you remember to change the batteries in your smoke detectors? Drain your water heater. Yep. I was thinking about you this weekend for, for that reason. It gets dark earlier, so fire time is now better. Yeah. It gets daylight earlier, so you can get up with the dog and get your day started a little quicker. I mean, it seems like there's a never-ending... 80% of people that talk about time change are bitching about how much they hate it. So, I don't hate... So, when you say you like the time change, are you speaking specifically of this one where we gain the or where we fall back or both of them love them both love them both okay love them both because i love the change i love the difference the different experiences personally i prefer the extra hour at the end of the day um and and what that really comes from is having lived for almost four years in atlanta so if, if you look at a map of the u.s where atlanta it falls longitudinally to compared to nashville is about it's less than a hundred miles, like in terms of just just east to west. Yet it's a different time zone, and so being on the far western edge of a time zone, obviously you get naturally you get later daylight, and so by being on the far eastern edge of the time zone, I do miss that that difference. So for that reason, I do prefer daylight time. Yeah, I don't have a preference, and there's always um, bills going on in yeah. the Senate to change it. it. It'll never happen. It, it. I do think, realistically, the time zone line should be moved. Uh, if you look at the width, again, of the eastern time zone compared to the central time zone, the central time zone is almost twice as wide as the eastern time zone. You're an exciting date, ain't you? <laughs> oh, you know it. You know it. Uh, well, because the thing is, daylight saving time is is all about perception anyway. And I'll tell you one of my pet peeves about this time of year. Well, this and the other time of year when this becomes a, a topic of conversation. I want to 
right here. You heard it here first. And, and, and so all everyone who's listening to this podcast, take this away and spread the good gospel. It has nothing to do with damn farming. I hate that. It, it's been... It, it's to the point it's it's not true but everyone believes that the reason that we do daylight saving time is for farming which is stupid because farmers don't even need clocks they get up when the sun comes up and they get and they come home when the job is done and if you were going to ask a farmer would you rather start an hour earlier or an hour later every farmer in the world's going to say an hour earlier right no it was it was due to factory work and uh it, it basically it was it was uh, it, was, it was climate change initiatives before it was a thing because it was really all about conserving fuel to heat and to light factories. Crazy. Okay, well, I already lit my cigar because you were going into great detail about the the width and breadth of the Eastern time zone. <laughs> so I thought, I've, and I was looking forward to lighting this cigar. So, broke out some oldies but goodies this week. I wanted to try some aged tobacco for us to smoke. Felt like it was time to do something other than just a new cigar. So, I had the Yellow Rose of Texas. I've still got about half a box of these from the original Lawless Day in 2017. So, these are six-year-old Crown Heads Yellow Rose of Texas. And this is a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. And it covers binder and filler from Nicaragua. Same blend as a Tennessee Waltz, only a better size. Right. So I'm interested to see what six years in my humidor has done to these. I noticed on the cold draw, it's a lot sweeter than I remembered. Now, I have not had a Yellow Rose in a very long time. At least a year, probably closer to two. So it's funny, considering how many Waltzes and Roses I've smoked in my life, to be coming back to this with really no expectations. Like, I don't remember much about it other than how much I liked it, but I couldn't tell you what flavor profile it fits and things like that. So that sweetness on the cold draw was really interesting to me because I wasn't, I had forgotten, I either that wasn't there without the age or I had forgotten about it. Well, and I will say that about Maduro tobacco. Maduro tobacco will get a little more, and of course this is Connecticut, but it's still dark. Um, we'll get a little of that sweetness with age. It seems like age brings out those sweet hints and dark tobacco more so than anything else, especially being as on the next show, we're going to be smoking the Avo Heritage. Right, which has about the same amount of age on it, Yeah, not a little more. Maybe a little bit more age on it. Now, it's a Lancero, so we're going to see what age does to that wrapper. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting but I did, I did kind of pick two cigars that you've not smoked a modern version of in a while. When was the last Heritage you smoked? Uh, probably around about a year. Yeah, so both of these are kind of cigars that you haven't smoked in a long time. Yeah, it's true. So I think that, that's pretty cool. So, all right, let's, let's hit the first article. Hi, Austin. <laughs> Sorry. Ever, um recording in the cigar shop so austin is a truck driver and oh, he gotcha. visits with us from time to time and spends some time down here at the mission with us oh excellent and also i have to say hi to austin whenever i see him but <laughs> it's nice we, to meet you we, we 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 treated him excessively well yesterday oh yeah oh with the food we had breakfast with biscuits and gravy and bacon and all the trimmings and then 
that afternoon we went ahead and put burgers on and i did um so our guy with our boar our boar sausage got held up and got here late okay so our boar sausage was not here in time for breakfast so Willie ran and picked us up a couple of pounds of ground beef, and we mixed the boar sausage and ground beef together and made hamburgers about four thirty. I, you know, I started putting sausage in my hamburgers probably six eight years ago, and I won't go back. Yes, you have to. So you have to cook your hamburger a little bit more than you do than most people really have a, a taste for. But using like store bought country sausage. You make up for it in how much juicier it is, how much more fat there is, and so it stays juicy and stays really moist, even though you have to cook it to, to well, full temp. So this was right the opposite of that, because the wild boar sausage is very lean. Yeah. So the burgers cooked incredibly quick, five minutes on each side, and they're done all the way through. Yeah. And they were very light. I was surprised. They didn't have that heavy, heavy burger yeah. feel now. I did three pounds of boar sausage to two pounds of ground chuck. Okay. And probably if I'd balanced it out, they'd have been a little juicier, but everybody around here ate them like crazy. Good. But yeah, I've always been a one-to-one on that. But again, different type of sausage, you almost can't compare it. Yeah, you, you almost have to. I really probably probably should have done three pounds of burger to two pounds of boar, but anyway. Eh, you'll know for next time. Study finds. Studyfinds.org. Best cigars, top seven stogies, most recommended by experts. So, this is either an article that is really, really well written by AI or really, really poorly written by a human being. <laughs> one or the other. I, I, I will have to get your vote on which one it is. But go ahead. I was going to say, I think based on the fact that they keep using the word stogie over and over makes me think it's AI. Because even if you are... A cigar smoker. I use the word stogie maybe once a quarter. It's just not a word that I use. And I don't know many cigar smokers who actually use the word stogie with any regularity. I don't know any regular cigar smokers that do. I know guys that would that yeah. smoke two a year and fancy themselves a cigar smoker that do. Yeah, that's fair. So, and it could be that way because I, if it is AI, they did, for AI, it's a great job. And it really points out the dangers of AI that they can publish information this poor and make it look like it's viable. So, how to distinguish a quality cigar? Look at the wrapper. The wrapper should be smooth and free of blemishes. No, it shouldn't. Well, see, I, I'm going to disagree with you on this. Um, I think it's now when we're talking about slight variations in color and, and texture and things like that. Yeah, but occasionally you will see a cigar that has little holes missing in the wrapper for whatever reason. And th- th- there are times or where it didn't get a full, um, where it didn't get a full fermentation. And so you have a little bit of green still left in the wrapper. Like that does happen from time to time. And if we're talking about that as a blemish, that is definitely a, an indication of quality. Sure. But I can't tell you the last time I've seen that in a premium cigar humidor. Oh, I saw one with with just a tiny little BB-shaped hole out of the wrapper. I saw that a couple weeks ago. Where at? What in here was it? Uh, well, it was from, if it wasn't from here, it was from a cigar that that is on caliber with what you guys have here. Well, we did have a box of cigars come in um, Last year, been over a year that had tobacco beetles, had the little holes in it, 
and all. And of course, we called the manufacturer, and he was mortified. And he said, "Yes, unfortunately, this happens. Yeah, pull them off the shelves, destroy them. I'll get you some new boxes there immediately." I've, I've it's been a number of years, but I actually have had a Padron with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's, it doesn't matter. It, it happens to everybody at some point. It freaks people way out. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is it can happen to any cigar manufacturer at any time. Yep. And also, I don't agree with look at the wrapper unless it's just, I mean, to say the only thing that are good cigars have smooth wrappers is complete balderdash. Yeah, the smooth part I'll, I'll give you, but um, free of blemishes I think is appropriate. A high quali- Feel the cigar. A high-quality cigar will be firm to the touch but not hard. It should also have a slight springiness to it. So here, so I actually agree with this one too, even though I know you don't. However, and we've talked about this on the show a few months ago. Um, I am a squeezer. I'm a cigar squeezer, but I've been doing this for almost twenty years. I know how to do it without damaging the cigar in the process, uh, because. Everybody who's ever smoked a cigar will tell you the number one way to ruin a cigar is for it to draw too tight. Sure. And so that's one way that you can just, you can feel if it's got a plug in it. it but again, my touch is highly refined to this. Um, unless you're massaging the cigar like you're trying to give it a happy ending, you're not going to find one plug in there. I call BS on that. I do it all the time. So you just... in. Using your x-ray vision, know where to squeeze the cigar, or do you massage the entire cigar? So, uh, it depends on the cigar. Most of the time, that plug, at least one that's going to be detrimental. So, let's say we're looking at Toro, so six inches of cigar. A plug in the the first two inches of that cigar, I don't care about, because I'm going to smoke through it pretty quickly. What most of the time happens is it's either right under the cap or under the label. So those are the two most likely places that I've So found. you've quadranted out the cigar yeah. and narrowed yeah. down the most likely places to plug. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. I can buy that. I don't think the average person um, is going to gain anything from well, groping their cigar. No, I, and I think you're right. Like I said, th- this is something that I have, I've refined because I went there for a while. I was getting, um, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and name and shame. The La Aurora ADN mm-hmm. is notorious for half of the box being unsmokably tight and the other bo- half of the box being great. And when I was smoking that cigar a lot, the only way to, you know, take some of the odds away from the house was to develop a system. And, and what, what it also, because it, it's not perfect, though. Sometimes the whole cigar is just wrapped too tight. And so if you squeeze it along the whole cigar, it's all going to feel the same. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. It could, be, it could feel tight and still draw well, or it can feel mushy and not draw well. Um, what you're looking for in this case, though, is that where it's like mushy, 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 rock hard. That, that's when you're feeling the plug. You're looking for a consistency issue. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, if you're going to grope your cigars... Know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm going to tell you, somebody grabs a Goldie and gropes it, they're busting that thing to pieces. Yeah. Practice at home. Practice with your... Or or like, like, well, (laughs) I mean, I don't think that translates, but it might. 
No, just well, I either have testicular cancer or my cigar is plugged. <laughs> but I, I think you can. I guess on a cigar that you you're know, already committed to. Actually, that's a pretty. If you squeeze, if you would squeeze your balls any harder than you're squeezing this cigar, you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. You're, I think we've just set the standard that's for the, how hard you're allowed to squeeze a cigar. Well, there. Uh, unfortunately, though, there are some people for whom that's a pretty hard squeeze. <laughs> well, again, we can only speak to eighty <laughs> percent. Cut the cigar and inspect the draw. All right. At this point, you're pot committed. At this point, you have bought a cigar. I like to think when a gentleman has cut a cigar that he has now purchased a cigar. I yep. don't think that's an unrealistic expectation for any retailer in this country. It, I don't either. And I think, you know, the next one is light the cigar and take a few puffs. Obviously, you've bought it this way. I th- let's let's reframe the, the advice here as being instead of how to select a good cigar from out of the humidor... This is, after you've bought a cigar, what to look for to determine how, like, if you're using this as research towards the hobby. So let's, let's assume that all of this is taking place on, I'm trying to figure out what I'm getting after I've made my selection, how I can quantify when I get the next one. But is it not just simply, if you like the cigar and you enjoy it, that's good enough? It can be, um, but... You know, there could be some people looking for a little bit more, and I think that's what this is about. We are well, taking way too much time. On to the brands they recommend. Uh, oh, I do love that they did. You know, we've, this seems to have been a theme the past couple of weeks, manliness and cigars. Did you see the picture of the axe and yeah. the fire and the obvious glasses of dark liquor, the shamog and the... Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, um, how do you feel about guys wearing leather bracelets? I feel I'm like out. you would have a, a, an opinion on that. Uh, I'm out. I, yeah. I don't. I don't see a reason. If I can, I put a knife in it. I mean, not the one this guy's got. Yeah, that one just looks like a promise bracelet from his boyfriend or something. Actually, actually you know what it looks like? It could be, and in which case, I'm on board. It could be a bowstring. But why would you wrap it around your wrist? Well, if you need if. From a survivalist camping kind of standpoint, like if you wanted a a, a backup, I'm talking like longbow, obviously not compound. Well, you've got the axe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. List of best cigars according to experts. Now I love that they do nothing to qualify who who's the expert. expert. Yeah, I think that this is another clue to me that this is an AI generated article is that it just said experts, and uh, and also the fact that. The first one on the list starts of an A. Well, yeah, that <laughs> Arturo Fuente. Wait, are they in alphabetical order? Uh, no, we I went from A so. to J. Yeah. So Arturo Fuente, and of course they show a picture of the rare pink. Um, Hoya de Nero. I'm not. I'm not going to delve deeply into these. They hit Hoya Davidoff, Rocky Patel. See, I'm out. And Padron. Okay. The fact that Padron is number five, that they didn't start with Padron. I have to imagine this isn't intended to... So here's here's why I think this is an AI-generated article, is this right here. I guarantee you they were running a data scrub on how often these brands get Googled. And that's what, that's what ranked the order. So the, the experts is people searching for these things. 
that that's what I think is is going on here. Well, and it very well could be because I just clicked on the article best bourbons just to see if it yeah. feels AI generated. Number one, Weller twelve year old. You got to imagine that gets googled a bunch. Mm-hmm. Elijah Craig barrel proof. Yeah. You know, all of these old Ezra, seven-year-old, if it says Pappy, Widow Jane, Four Roses. Yeah, I've got to think that the this is an AI website yeah. study finds. But we had a little fun talking about the, the absurdity of the way they do that. All right. So, why don't we take five? Oh, dang. Yeah, we, I thought we went long, but I was, I was yammering on. Fair enough. When we come back, Trey will pick an article, and we'll spend the rest of the show talking about it. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from the man who's giggling at me for no reason whatsoever. I was about to start introing the show. <laughs> I forgot what we were doing. I'm all out of sorts. Man, tonight. I'll tell you what, this, you're going to have to take a day off. Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> this, this work schedule. I will say, after the show last week, I felt like I became a made man. How was that? I felt, well, one, you got grandfathered in last week when you stayed. So, after the show last week, we're setting, and the arguably most devoted Tennessee volunteer fan in the world walked in here and sat down next to us to smoke a cigar. Yeah. Arguably, the guy who who lives for the Vols probably more than anybody else. That I isn't get, getting paid by the university. I, I, don't, I don't even think guys that get paid from the university like it. I, matter of fact, I know they don't like it as much as he does, because they got to yeah. go to work. Yeah. Um. But you established that your father, which I didn't know, had went to the University of Tennessee. Yeah. I watched his whole perspective on you as a human being shift in that moment. He is such an interesting character. This is a man who I've known since I worked at what is now Crown. There was a time in our history when he and I nearly came to blows one night. I mean, the closest, as an adult, the closest I've ever gotten to being in a physical fight was with that man. Right. And yet we've come so far as to be able to have, you know, just. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, it's all, well, no, all because of me. It's all because, well, I, I think in one way it was just that when you, when you look like I do and you hang around people that look like you and he do and, and, and who hang out in cigar shops. He and do. He do, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that was actual proper syntax. You're welcome. So um, the, there's a certain assumption, uh, and, and I challenged that by being willing to stand up, and that changed our relationship. Sure. Um, but we've gone from just being able to have polite conversation to then now, like, I was able to tell him something the other night that actually raised my station in his eyes a little bit. Yeah, and then he, he, he officially gave me his seal of approval and declared that I am a Tennessee volunteer fan. That's, even, uh, th- even though I've never been to the campus. He, he does hold the, the membership cards, though. I, I think he does. I feel like I'm a made man. I feel yeah. like that I got the blessing of the Godfather 
and I'm now a made man with the Tennessee Volunteers. That no, that that if someone walked up to me and said, "How dare you follow the Volunteers?" I could show them this yes. this card. Say this, and look at the signature on the bottom of that card. It, it's official. They, they say, "Oh, sorry, my mistake." Have a good day, sir. <laughs> Really, I really feel like that's the way this GBO. Goes. Yeah, GBO. I feel like that's the way this goes. But anyway, on on from being a made man. So let's catch a mid-season update here on the Yellow Rose. It is not what the cold draw promised me. No, it's not. And I'll. It's definitely you, not as harsh as it was new. Like it, it had a little bit of a rough edge. Um, that that really, I mean, this was about as much a Connecticut broadleaf forward cigar as is on the market, and it that has that has been lost to some degree. It's not, and if you were a person that wanted a mild medium cigar, yeah, this would be an excellent mild medium cigar. Yeah, but but I feel like it's I think you you'd hit the nail on the head. It's lost its edge. Yeah. And this, despite everything that all of the cigar gurus will tell us about cigars that, oh, they get better with age. I do not think this one has improved with age. I think some do. I don't think all do. Um, th- yeah, I'm, I'm getting a, if I had to describe uh, in, in sort of a, a poncy way what I'm getting, it reminds me of a bowl of fettuccine Alfredo. It's, it, it's good. And I'm getting richness from it, but I'm not getting flavor. Would that be somewhat fair? Yeah, I'm I'm trying hard now to try to figure out, to get something out of it. Yeah. And maybe it's going to come alive. I'm only about a third way into my stick. Yeah, you're you're ahead of me by a little bit. Maybe, maybe too, it's... Too much talking about time zones. Yeah, maybe it's going to come alive. We'll find out as we, as we move on to the show, but I am... I really thought that I was going to like this, and it was going to be like the Sopranos cigar that was out of this world because it had the age on it. The age had made that yeah. such an amazing stick as to blow your mind. Yeah, I'm also... And this is... I don't like a torpedo tip. You know that. Um, I'm, mine's also draw, drawing just a hair tighter than I would like. I'm about to have to give it a little, a little bit of a haircut. Mine, mine's drawing good. Mine's drawing well, but now I did take a deep cut. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't. I was trying to. It's your cigar. I was trying to do do right by you by not overcutting the cigar. Hey, just like we talked about in the last segment. Once you cut it and light it, baby, it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but there is a certain amount of uh, of etiquette that plays into well, that. You do hate to see some hand someone a cigar and see them butcher it. Yeah, it was. Although it's interesting. Speaking of etiquette, so the other night when I was here and. and he, and that gentleman goes to start passing out cigars. I was about to leave. Can we refer to him as the volunteer from now on? The volunteer hands us a couple of Padron Anniversary Series, which is, uh, I mean... How, extremely generous. Extremely generous and very kind. And I feel like, you know, we've talked about on the show before, when someone hands you a cigar, you smoke the cigar. And it, but it is funny. I was about to leave. I was getting. I was waiting for you to finish your cigar so I could, you know, make my exit. And then he pops up my hand. I was like, "Well, that was." I if get- he had handed me anything but a padrone, exactly, I probably could have come up with a way to bow out. Yeah, I, absolutely. Because we had been there since four. So, but when he came in and sat next to us and whipped out the padrones, 
I don't we're, care we're if it's eight thirty. You're yeah. hanging out. We're there. Yeah. At all, which is perfectly, perfectly legitimate. Yeah. Not bitching about it. And I'm it glad at all. I did. It ended yeah. up being an enjoyable evening. Um, if he had handed me one of these, I don't know. Uh, don't know that you'd don't know around. that I've stuck around. Avo Seasons Limited Edition uh, Winter goes on sale tomorrow. Well, this said tomorrow. I don't know when this was written. Probably not today. It goes on sale soon. It will be on sale by the time you hear this. Um, we talked about the Seasons line when they first announced it at the beginning of the year. And we really haven't talked about it since. I haven't seen them anywhere. I haven't. I I think I saw them at Belmead. I think they brought them in, but I haven't smoked one of them. And this, it's an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper um, over Dominican tobaccos, uh, which you would expect from. When I think of a winter cigar, I don't think of a Connecticut. No, I want something dark and rich and toothy and to have yeah. full flavor. If it's cold, I want my cigar to let me know it's there. Yeah. It, now, that being said, I am a big fan of Avo, and they oftentimes will surprise you with the flavor that they get out of lighter wrappers. So it may still be very flavorful. But yeah, when I think, it's funny because when I think of winter, I think of, you know, like crisp and fresh and light because of the air. But when, I, when it comes to food, it's hearty stews, soups, black coffee, rich, dark Maduro cigars. So, it's, so I, I can kind of see what they were going for here. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't, it's, not, it's a double perfecto, which I, I can appreciate. It's a, it's a beautiful-looking cigar. But I just, it surprises me that this is where they went. So there's like four different things going through my head at the same time as you're talking about it. And, nothing has to, and none of it has anything to do with this cigar. <laughs> so... Yesterday morning I got here and I I was going we were cooking breakfast. We were doing biscuits and gravy, we were doing eggs, bacon, the whole shooting match. It was the the mission brunch. The Mighty Vols kicked off at 11. So we were having the mission brunch. Well, I knew I was going to be, be begin cooking at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So I got here at 9 o'clock to set up the griddle to check out the griddle, be sure that the hoses were good. Be Do sure your pre-flight the, checks. Yeah, just to, to be sure that if I said food will be ready at 10.30, 10.45, that food was ready. That it wasn't I got here at 9.50 and found out I had a leaky hose and had to run over to Lowe's right. and things like that. So I got here at 9 o'clock. So I started my morning with a cup of coffee with banana pudding moonshine as my creamer. That's that's a way to stay, start a day. It was pretty darn good. I bet. <laughs> you know, I have banana pudding moonshine that I bought when I was in the Smokies. And it's mostly cream, you know, like right. all that moonshine stuff like that is. It's mostly sugar and cream anyway. Yeah. So I thought, this would be perfect. Right. So I, I creamed my coffee with it, and it was awesome. And then... Keith came in, one of our regulars here. Is this weekend tray or the other one? The other one. All right. Um, he come in and he said, I am going to make the Bloody Marys. Now, I've never drank much at all, as, you've, as you can imagine. So this is the Bloody Mary he handed me. Okay. Yes, that is an entire pork rib in that Bloody Mary. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> he had went right. to Kroger and bought a rack of pork ribs. And you'll notice that it, he has tomatoes and pickled okra and everything like that. 
Worcestershire sauce, Frank's Red Hot sauce. <laughs> and Now, you talk about a drink that was layered with flavors, and I've never drank a Bloody Mary before, but I, I didn't know you could. Did you in- enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I actually enjoyed the. I couldn't drink it all because yeah. it was just too much. It was sensory overload for my mouth. Yeah. And all, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> See, I was, that was never my drink. I couldn't get over the fact that it tasted like feet. I've just, I've, I never had a good Bloody Mary. Need more Worcestershire. I think that's what was tasting like feet. Do you know what the main ingredient in Worcestershire sauce is, by the way? Anchovies, isn't it? Anchovies. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? I, I've asked that question to four or five people. You're the first one that knew it was anchovies. Well, would you expect anything less no, from I, someone like me who argues over the location of time zone boundaries? I, I figured you would know that. All right, so let's talk about this article for two people that you hate. And I don't know, do you hate Elon Musk? Oh, yeah. Okay, did you hate him before he bought Twitter? Yes. Okay, so, you, so you're consistent. Uh, yeah, yes. And this is from MDTV. Elon Musk enjoys a cigar as Joe Rogan fires arrows at the Tesla Cybertruck to test its toughness. So the long, and I hadn't listened to the Joe Rogan podcast that had him and Elon Musk because I don't like Elon Musk. Right. <laughs> I just, I mean, I like Rogan at times. I can talk. I won't say I like Rogan. I will say I have a high tolerance for Rogan when he's talking about something. Yeah. All of his broiness and foolishness aside, I will say, when Rogan does an interview, he does a very thorough, good job. I, I, I can understand that. I, I still, my tolerance for him is so low that I, even the handful that you've said, I know you don't, but try this one. I just, I can't bring myself to do it. It's, it's not bad, but... So, basically, Elon Musk came into the Joe Rogan show. They were smoking cigars, and Rogan smokes a foundation cigar. They have a special foundation made for Rogan. And Elon Musk said, well, my Tesla truck is bulletproof. And Rogan said, well, can I shoot arrows at it? And he said, sure. So, they go out there, and Rogan shoots an arrow. If you watch a video, Rogan shoots an arrow at the Tesla truck, and the arrow tip busts, and it just leaves a dent in the truck. Okay. I think this was a setup. You think it was a bad tip to begin with? Well, here's the thing. A bulletproof car would not be arrowproof. Right. Those are, well, I don't know. what. The difference in the mass is too great. The difference in the, the slower-moving mass of an arrow, trying to stop that, as regardless of how fast the bullet is going, and he's talking about 9 millimeters, stopping 9 millimeter shells of this Tesla, there is, I guarantee you, 28 out of 30 pieces of armor that would stop a 9mm bullet would not stop an arrow. Yeah, but this is plate stainless steel. I mean, stainless steel is, is going to stop a broadhead. No. Well, it may cause a broadhead to fail. But So here's the thing. I think if he put a practice tip on this, a blunt head, I bet it would have penetrated the, the steel. I bet it would... I bet the practice tip, the slower, higher mass, more spread out surface area, I bet it would have penetrated the bulletproof. Perhaps. Perhaps. But, okay, here's the deal. Why in the world is Elon Musk making a bulletproof car? To say he can, probably. Is there a demand for bulletproof cars? Well, if, the- you, if you feel the need to buy a bulletproof electric car, move. Well, no, I mean, 
there is a there's a huge demand for armored vehicles that look like everyday road going vehicles. This thing is hideous. This it's is absolutely is, atrocious. There there is no I thought the Honda Ridgeline was the ugliest truck ever made, but no, <laughs> this one takes the cake. Oh, this this is this is like if a DeLorean had a an ugly a ugly child. Yeah. This this thing is absolutely hideous. Um so all that be all that to say um, we're we're introducing the topic of the night oh, of yeah. people who have ruined the internet, and I think this B- both of them both of them fall under that category. I think, I think both of them have done their best. Yeah. So this is an article from The Verge, which we linked to from Art of Manliness is how it came across. But this is a topic I've actually been a part of a few times in the last couple of weeks, and it's who ruined the internet. So, you know, if if you are like me. And you kind of watched the internet come of age. You know, I grew up, I'm, I'm a millennial. You know, I, I remember the, I remember a life before the internet. I remember, you know, the AOL thousand hour disc that you'd get in, like, and then all the way to where we are now. And I've kind of been a child of the internet too. Like I spent a lot of time online. Well, okay. How old were you when you remember the first AOL thousand hour disc? Uh, about 10. Okay, so well, there's, just to to give the listeners, I was in college. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was 19 the first time I ever... So it was probably first the time same I year. ever stepped onto AOL was 19 years old. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so the internet early on was, wasn't really much other than kind of a party toy. And then it slowly became the information superhighway and it became kind of what we know it today which is you know the answer to every question and you know online shopping and online hangouts and and instant message chat rooms like all of that stuff where now people are coming together and and, but anybody who likes the internet I'd go so far as say I'm a fan of the internet I enjoy the internet and what it's done for us by and large, I think I think the pros outweigh the cons, and but it's 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 getting worse. Like okay, so I'm I'm gonna break this down yeah. as the as the old guy here. I've got to ask this question: What is wrong with the internet? What 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 has been ruined about? What's wrong with the internet right now? So what's wrong with the internet is. Kind of, kind of also answers the question of who ruined the internet. What's wrong with the internet now is let's say, let's say I want to find out um, what an item costs. Now, that's a horrible example. I wasn't prepared for this. I'll, I'll, I'll take a different route here. Well, okay, let's go this way with it. Earlier, I said, "Hey, I bought these the first Lawless Day. These yeah. crowned heads, yellow rose that we're smoking right now." I said, I bought these the first Lawless Day. What year was that? And I simply typed in Crowned Heads Lawless Day, and boom, popped up. Okay, first one's in 2017. To me, that's the internet doing exactly what it's supposed to do. So how how has that experience been ruined? So, so that's I'm not a- arguing it's not ruined. I'm trying to understand no. the thought, because there's a lot of bright colors here. It's yeah. really, really... <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Scroll down till you get to the text. It's a lot it, easier it, on the eyes. It kind of um, it kind yeah. of takes away from the viability because it's really tiny text and really bright colors. Yeah. 
So what you experienced just then is knowing what and how to search for it. So let's take, for instance, what was that movie that had the the guy and the waitress and they were running from a mob boss and that's all you know about it. So those kinds of questions used to be easily answered by the internet and they aren't anymore because depending on how... I don't know if that movie exists. I just made all those things up. Um, the the ability to get what you want out of the internet is directly related to how good you are at formulating a, a search query. And so, you know, if you search for something like, like that movie, you're going to get, you know, the first six hits is going to be, you know, indeed.com, you know, postings for waitress jobs and, you know, uh, how to, you know the best cars for you know outrunning the bad. So you're all these referring ads. to commercialization. Yes. Okay. And so, so the reason, but specifically why commercialization has ruined the internet is because of what this article talks about. It's SEO, search engine optimization. So, around the early 2000s is when Google first became sort of synonymous with online searching. And one of the things that they did that was so revolutionary was that no ads. So back in the day, you'd go to MSN or Yahoo, Ask Jeeves. You know, they would have these full pages of ads and links to articles and, and affiliate links, stuff like that. Google was, it was just a second-gen web crawler that looked at the viability of a website, the credibility of the website, and the, the relatedness to what you actually search for. Well, around that same time, the first wave of internet marketing comes up and a couple of guys realize you can trick the algorithm. You can trick Google into thinking you're what the person is looking for. Right. And that has become the basis. But can't you just pay Google to be one of the first ads to pop up? So now Seems like they send me an ad for that every week. Well, now you can, but even then you really can't because, well, so you can, that, that's kind of a different side of things. What's happened is because so many people were fake, faking their, their station in those web results based on what you search for, Google said, okay, we're going to change the algorithm to try and go back to where these people don't have all of this power. And they've changed the algorithm something like six times, uh, major shifts since then. But what that's done is made it so that at this point, the only people left who are winning the SEO game are the people who are playing the SEO game. And so organic blogs and how-to articles and people just, you know, people that have their website because they love swizzle sticks, like those people don't even pop up in the search results anymore. Well, okay. I'll, I'll bring this down to, to reality a little bit more because... This is this is your Bigfoot. This is this is your Sasquatch. Okay. This is something you know a lot more about than I will ever know about and can very easily scale off in a direction that most people can't follow That's I'm, fair. I'm I'm trying I've lost very, you a couple of times. Yeah, I'm trying very hard to cuz I know if I'm lost there's probably somebody yeah. else out there that's lost too. So this is recipes. If I want a recipe for chicken a la king, I don't want to know why your kids like it. I don't want to know why your grandma made it. I don't want to... I just would like to...
to know how many chickens and how many peas to put in the daggum dish. That's exactly right. That's that that's a, an exact byproduct of what I'm talking about. Okay. So so now that we've quantified, because now every time I if I click on a recipe and it don't have a link at the top that says jump to recipe, I immediately go to the next recipe. I'm out. That happened to me today. I was looking for a recipe for shortbread cookies because it's getting towards Christmas. I know we're not full in Christmas, but short shortbread cookie season. And the first one said jump to recipe. Yes. There was no recipe. It was just more ads for other recipes when I hit that button. I said, nope, I'm out. Let's go. Right. You have to you have to filter through very quickly. So but it's not so, I, I do want to be clear that it's for me, it's not just the commercialization of the internet. That was always gonna happen. That's inherent that is not in and of itself a bad thing. Where would any of us be without Amazon? Like that's commercialization of the internet in a good way. Um, but yes, yeah, these unforeseen uh, byproducts where the information available to me requires more effort for me to sift through it because people are gamifying it. So we, we've, it's interesting because everything's cyclical. We always discuss how life is cyclical. So when the internet comes out, you can find out information about everything. Yeah. Now we're right back to, you know, 30 years ago or 50 years ago, if you wanted to know something, you know how to know how to use the Dewey Decimal System. Right. Well, internet comes out and you no longer need the Dewey Decimal System. Now you need a system by which to weed through the mass of false leads and, and I don't want to say fake news because that's a buzzword type stupid no, thing. But, but the, you, you need to get past what the powers that be, I'm just going to use that sort of blanket term, want you to see first. You know, and the powers that be in this case being the marketing departments of various companies. But um, yeah, so you've got to learn. And, and in fact, you know, if you talk to anybody who works in IT, especially like help desk, like low level IT, they'll tell you 90% of the, go- the job is knowing how to Google. No one retains all of that information. In fact, I have taught myself SQL, which is a, a database query programming language simply by asking the question and and going and finding the little bits here and there and putting them together. And t- to the point that now I, I basically live in, in SQL all day long at my job, but it's, it's, it's knowing how to go after the information, how to get that information. And it's, it's a shame that all of that burden is now on the user because we're actually seeing with Gen Z and Gen Alpha coming behind them that... Are we starting over? Yeah. I'm okay. sure they will come up with a better name once that generation has started to develop a personality. But for now, it's just Gen Alpha. That's what my son is. So, the, I thought it was like naming hurricanes. There was a list somewhere. Yeah, you would think. Um, well, we can't use the greatest generation. That's already been in. We can't use the worst generation. So that's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. But we're finding that Gen Z is a lot less able to troubleshoot and self-diagnose tech problems despite the fact that they grew up with this technology. So in a lot of ways, Gen Z and boomers, when it comes to like technology, are about the same. It's pretty fascinating. It's a, it's a fascinating thing in life how this kind of exhibits the cyclical nature of life Yeah, and how that works. So Speaking of cycles, these cigars have now stood a couple of cycles of the show. Give me a rating. 
Tell me what you think about your yellow rose. This is really tough for me. Because I know what this cigar is. I know this cigar is a six, but this one's not a six. Would you agree with that? Well, it, I'm halfway through it now. Yeah. It's getting better. It is getting better. Um, I did give it a little bit of a haircut, and I'm getting some more out of it than I was. I'm, I'm getting a, it's getting a little better. It's still not as good as a fresh shallow rose. Yeah. And, and that's, that hurts me a little bit. But I'm going to go five and a half. I'm five and a half all the way. Yeah. I'm at, we're 100% in agreement. I think that this this is a cigar that does not benefit from age. If I had aged a box of Hoya Antonio's this same amount of time, they would be out of this world. So I'm going to challenge you with something here because uh, when you age wine, you know, wine doesn't age in the bottle. Whiskey doesn't age in the bottle. Like if you bottle a 12-year-old right, scotch. It's stabilized. It's, yeah. But... Wine will go through ebbs and flows where, let's say, the 2008 vintage, if you drink it this year, is going to be phenomenal. If you, bring it, if you drink it next year, it's not going to be as good as it was this year. But if you drink it three years from now, it's going to be better than it was now. Like, it goes through these ebbs and flows. I'll be curious to see, with another year on this, if it comes back to life. Like, if it, if it follows... So, what, next November, we will smoke this cigar again. Yeah. Okay, I'll get I'll I'll tell Glenda to make a note of that, and she'll she's wonderful at remembering that stuff. There's not a chance in the world I'll or actually here's what I'll do. I will go in. And this is a good idea. I'll go in there and I'll write on the box, "Smoke November fifth, two thousand twenty-three." And then next time I pop that box open, I'll look under the lid and say, "Okay, the last time I smoked this was November fifth, twenty twenty-three." Yeah. And I'll, I think I'll start doing that with some of my aged cigars. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And then keep all, for for new things you bring into the humidor to age. Start putting when you put them in the humidor. Right, put the date on that for because yeah. I do enjoy aging some cigars, and I've got a good humidor yeah. for it. So I, I do think I'm gonna I may start doing that. That sounds like a great idea. I think I'll take a sharpie. So we'll try them again next year at this same time. Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious how that goes. But anyway, so. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.